Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. That's what this is, a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Different day, different recording, right? Absolutely. Today's conversation is with Diane and me. And once again, we have chosen a topic that we hear coming up, one of the themes that comes up in our conversations with with parents and professionals and clients. And and so today, Diane, what are we talking about? We're talking about whether to diagnose or actually, let's say it this way. What difference does a diagnosis make? Right. Well, and, and here's, here's parents, why. <laughs> yeah. What, where, and there's so many different pieces to this, right? And yeah. parents come all the time. It's like, well my kid doesn't have a diagnosis or my kid has this other diagnosis, or I'm not sure whether the diagnosis was right. Or do I even talk to my kid about their diagnosis or, you know, all of those different kind of moving pieces. So we thought it'd be worth having a conversation and talking about all that stuff. Right. Well, and, and the other thing that's coming up is that um, what I'm noticing, so I've been doing a lot of work with, um, with Dr. Tom Brown, because we're speaking at the APSAR conference, uh, which is, kind of the medical conference in the ADD world in January of 2022. And so I've been reading his book on ADHD and Asperger's syndrome in smart kids. And I've been really kind of brushing up on this. And what I'm noticing, there are kind of two pieces here. One is, you know, we have so many people in our community with, with multiple diagnoses. And then the other is sometimes we may be missing a critical diagnosis, and so that's really where, where I wanted to start this conversation was what difference does it really make? Like, why does it matter? From our perspective, when you're doing behavior therapy, the work is kind of the same, whether a kid has ADHD or anxiety or autism or depression or like the behavior approach for parenting it is very, right, Let's say very that real clearly. The, the work that you're doing to learn how to help your kid is the same regardless of what these diagnoses are. You want to get good, strong parenting skills that are focused on helping your kids change their behavior and meeting them where they are from a neurobiology perspective. Become more independent and hold that positive framework and set appropriate expectations. All of that work is going to be the same regardless of what your kid's diagnosis is. And that's different. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So the places that it gets different are in terms of getting services and supports, particularly in the school environment. And then also therapeutic treatment and medication management, if, if those are things that are part of whatever diagnosis you're facing. So let's, let's break those two apart. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with the last one. Okay. So therapeutic management, what's involved with providing treatment for complex kids? 
as you know, as we said, parent behavior interventions, behavior training is always going to be one of your primary areas of focus because you got to know, understand what's going on with your kid to help them manage it. And then depending on what your kid's issues are, there may be other therapies involved. There may be medical therapy, there may be talk therapy, there may be play therapy, there may be occupational therapy, like there's all kinds of other kinds of interventions that could be involved, right? Yeah. And so those various therapeutic responses are going to vary depending on what the diagnoses are. Right. Sometimes, right. And sometimes mm-hmm. you've, you're, it's behavioral, right. It's just sort of the, there's the two pieces of it. There are kids who with big emotions that sometimes working with a therapist on coping mechanisms or kids with anxiety, working with a therapist on coping mechanisms or I mean, DBT or, or CBT, DBT or something. Right. Yeah. Some of these other sorts of things. So therapeutic intervention. And then wait, wait can I just stick with yeah. that for a second? Because let's even that can be broken down a little yeah. bit more. Right. So Oftentimes what happens when a kid is diagnosed with ADHD or anxiety, executive function, is part of the recommended treatment is behavior therapy training. Well, a lot of physicians don't understand what that means. And so they think that means talk therapy. And so what you're pointing to, Diane, is that for a kid who has maybe, let's just use anxiety as an example, learning coping strategies, learning ways to reframe for themselves talk therapy or play therapy or something can be a really valuable tool to help them manage that. If a kid's diagnosed with ADHD and their executive function impulsivity is off the, off the charts, talk therapy is not going to change that their <laughs> impulsivity. Yeah, the, the impulsivity. Right. So that the, the change there needs to happen at the point of performance where the, where the challenge is taking place, which is why the parent piece is so important. Yeah. So matching the therapeutic response to the issue Mm-hmm. is really important. So some kids do really well with, particularly teenagers with DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, where they're really learning strategies for coping or with cognitive behavioral therapy, where they're learning concepts to, for self-talk, but that's not always going to be the solution. It's going to depend on the problem you're trying to address. Yeah. So that's one of the places that diagnosis can be very helpful. Yeah. Another place where diagnosis can be very helpful in terms of therapeutic intervention is if it's something that might involve a medication treatment. So a kid with anxiety, putting them on an anxiety med or an antidepressant, those sorts of things. Um, kids with ADHD, if you want to explore ADHD medication, all of those things, having a diagnosis is a, an important piece of the puzzle. And I'm going to talk a minute, Elaine, about anxiety and ADHD, because I know yeah. personally and professionally, this is one of the things that ADHD causes anxiety-like symptoms and anxiety causes ADHD-like symptoms. And the two of them are easily confused. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so working with a prescribing provider who understands the interplay between those two and how to figure out, do I treat it as ADHD? Do I treat it as anxiety? Do I treat it as both is an important part of the process. So you really want to have someone probably beyond a pediatrician, if you've got, you suspect ADHD Mm -hmm. and anxiety going on. Well, and you know, I'm thinking about, so all of my kids had a combination of ADHD and anxiety plus plus, right. Yep. And so sometimes it was about which is presenting most profoundly right now that really needs to be addressed. So there were some times that the anxiety was in the lead and it needed to be treated more directly than the ADHD and vice versa. I, I remember one time, one of my kids, it was so clever the the psychiatrist, we were trying to determine whether 
a kid with, with pretty significant anxiety at the time was going to be able to tolerate ADHD meds mm -hmm. because sometimes ADHD meds can amp up anxiety for some kids, yeah. for some people. And, um, and so he suggested that we give her chocolate covered coffee beans to, do you've never heard this story? No, I haven't. To just test out whether she could handle the, the stimulant. The stimulant. Right. Yeah. Because she was not a coffee drinker. She wasn't, you're right. But she was a sugar eater. And so we tried chocolate covered coffee beans to just check her system to make sure it could tolerate the stimulant on top of what was up going on before we started trying stimulant meds. I thought it was so clever. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. really understanding the nuances of what was happening with that particular child. So again, we're going back to the sort of diagnose versus not diagnose. And, and I think we've been giving you a few examples of from a medical management perspective, where and how diagnosis makes a difference. Let's shift and talk a little bit about services and, and in, both in school and out of school, or you want to. I want one more thing on that, because, you know, as, what I was saying is the other place that I think diagnosis can really make a difference is, I guess, here's what I really want to say is that there's a difference sometimes that we're beginning to see with girls and boys. Hmm. And so part of the reason diagnosis can be important is because we have these assumptions about what it means for a kid to have ADHD or autism. And those assumptions tend to be, what does it look like in boys? Yeah. Right. Tends to be hyperactive, tends to be uh, not, you know, less verbal or not making eye contact. We have these notions of what it means. So the other reason I think diagnosis is really important in particular with girls is because I think sometimes what we're seeing is that we're missing key diagnoses because it looks different in girls. So girls may be spacing out with ADHD, facing out the window. Girls with autism may be sort of disappearing from the classroom or taking a walk or, you know, and it's not, particularly if they have both ADHD and autism. And so it doesn't look the same. And so oftentimes we're not catching it. So really getting an expert in there who understands all these different nuances can make a big difference. Yeah. And 10 years ago, we were underdiagnosing ADHD in girls. And, and I think that it's still a challenge and a struggle. We're catching up with ourselves. Finally. Well, and now we've got this autism layer on top of it where we're yeah. beginning to see the, because 10 years ago, a doctor was not allowed to diagnose both ADHD and autism together. Now we understand that they coexist. Remember, that didn't start till the DSM-5. Right, right. Well, and, and I think that that's they weren't allowed to be diagnosed the same person. Well, and I, the way I think about it is that you've got the executive function challenges, you've got the social challenges. I mean, you've got the, the emotional kind of regulation, buckets, the emotional yeah. regulation pieces. And, you know, back to your comment about behavior therapy and parents, I mean, what we're doing is parents is really looking at their challenges, whether they're executive function challenges, whether they're emotion management challenges, or whether they're social engagement challenges and, and addressing those rather than worrying about the diagnosis. And what we want the medical community to do is to look at the diagnoses and, and support them from that direction. Well, and I guess part of what stimulated me wanting to have this conversation was I've had a number of clients where as we've been working together, I'm beginning to say, you know, I'm not a diagnostician. <laughs> this is not right. my realm. And this sounds like it's more than ADHD. And so, you know, sending the, the, the parent back with more information to a physician has led to different diagnoses and, and to improved treatment. 
Um, it's led to changes in the IEP, which is a great transition, right? It's led yeah. to changes in all kinds of ways, just because yeah. we're looking for things that other people may not yet be seeing. Because we well, see and so I, much and, of it. Yeah. And we're talking about IEPs and things like that. One of the things that I had a client happen, kid with ADHD, um, behavior issues and class behavior issues at home and was getting a lot of pushback from school. This is, you know, this kid can't be this way. He, you know, he was getting, exp- I don't even think he was expelled, but he was definitely suspended and kind of kicked out of the classroom. She went back and got clarification of diagnosis, found out that it was autism in addition to ADHD. And yeah. all of a sudden the school can support him in a very different way because he's got a different diagnosis, which kind of broke my heart because it's the same kid. And with the same behaving, with the, the same, same behavior, but it's like this sort of right. suddenly with a diagnosis, the doors do start to open. And, and it, I wish it wasn't that way. And the reality is that's part of what happens is that our systems are designed for particular buckets. And so sometimes parents who don't take the, the step to get a diagnosis end up kind of falling between buckets and their kids can't get the services that they really do need in the, in the school environment. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit more about the services in the school environment, because we've been kind of on our high horse about this this year, because <laughs> right. we really are seeing in the, in the pandemic, it's really highlighting where people are and aren't getting services. And so what we've noticed is that typically kids with ADHD can have eligibility for accommodations around executive function. Right. Very typically, kids with autism get accommodations around social and emotional kinds of stuff. What happens when an ADHD kid needs the social and emotional stuff or when an autism kid needs the executive function stuff? Right. Right. Because there's such an overlap. And I think that that's the piece of it. There's this opportunity and add on top of it, the limited amount of information that our education system has about this stuff. I mean, if you think about it, it's like this sort of we've we've been on our high horse about this for a while, but when you look at the amount of things that educators have to learn to manage a classroom and you add on top of it, the fact that what we've been really focused on over the last two years is how to help these kids to continue to be in a learning environment, even in the middle of a pandemic with remote learning, with kids hybrid in and out learning, all the time, yeah. hybrid learning, all of these different pieces. It's, it hasn't been able to be our focus for the last two years. The brain science is catching up and it's not realistic for kid, for educators and um, teachers to really know everything that there is to know. And so sometimes it means that we as parents know more than the teachers do about what our kids needs. And I see parents going to schools all the time saying, okay, please take care of this, but this, the schools don't aren't well equipped enough to respond. And so the dynamic shifts a little bit. Right. We, that's, this is where our advocacy comes in, but it's, if we start by advocating, assuming they need our support instead of by advocating, assuming they're not doing what they're supposed to do, it's going to change the dynamic considerably. And so it's, it's on us as parents and the professionals working with parents to really understand what the nuances are with these kids and what they need. And, and that can be hard. If you're sitting there at home trying to figure out, I don't know how to help this kid. How am I supposed to figure out what the school needs to do to help this kid? It can be really frustrating. Um, and again, so again, this is where, where diagnosis becomes really useful and supportive. And, and, and I guess the, the, the place I would point people to is to really look at 
what is this, what is the kid able to do independently? What are they able to do with support? Hmm. Right. And so that we can say, well, so-and-so can, this kid can remember to do what's, what's required of them when it comes to getting their sports stuff together, but they need support and reminders when it comes to doing homework. So we know that there's an executive function problem going on. Or if the, the issue is this kid gets emotionally upset or the frustration tolerance is off the charts and every time they get something wrong, they're, they're having a fit, then we know that what they need is some emotional support. And so we really want to begin to break down what's behind the problem we're dealing with. It's not just that the kid's having a tantrum, tantrum, but the kid's having a tantrum because they're having a hard time regulating around an emotion. Well, and and something that's coming up as you're saying that just as a reminder, because all of you parents listening probably know this, but I want to say it anyway, is that you're talking about inconsistency and you're talking about sometimes these kids need this and sometimes they need that. And it's just a reminder that these kids don't always present the same way from day to day. They don't, no, in fact, they, they, they don't, don't. <laughs> they don't, and they don't present the same as each other, which is part of what makes it really hard for the education system because no kid with ADHD looks like any other kid with ADHD, no kid <laughs> with autism. I mean, that there's some patterns that are consistent, but if you think about executive function and how many different ways that that plays out. And sometimes it goes this way and sometimes it goes that way. I mean, that on top of it is part of why we as parents are so critical in this process is because your By kid is the only one. Essential. Essential. Wanna... Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to make sure there's no misunderstanding there. Essential in this process because every kid is going to be a little different. And so the school is going to need you or the or to really get clear with them about what it is that your kid is struggling with. What do you see at home might be different than what they see at school. And that can be very helpful for them in knowing how to handle it. I can't tell you how many parents who say, oh, my kid is fine at school, but at home I get the worst of them. Yeah, and if you were to share, and I remember really distinctly, I had that conversation with my daughter's teacher in second grade and said, are you having problems at school? Cause I'm having problems at home. And she's like, no, I'm not. Well, and I'm like, keep an eye out for, and started sharing some of the behaviors that I was seeing and enabled them to, to work with me in a very different way because they weren't seeing it quite the same way at school. Right. And that's, which makes sense, right? Cause our yep. kids hold it together all day long and then lose it. I was talking to a teacher the other day. It was great. Interesting because she's holding it together all day long too, because she's teaching all day. And then right. she was realizing that she's losing it when she gets home. So the first strategy we came up with was what can you do to break your day so that you can get it out before you go back to your kids? Yeah. Because she's yeah. having the same experience that the kids are having. But anyway, I, I think what's what's really what I'm taking from this is that if we look at this question of what difference does the diagnosis make, the diagnosis makes a big difference in terms of what the medical community will provide in terms of treatment. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference in terms of accommodations in the school environment. And from our perspective, part of our job as parents is to educate the providers to help them make the right diagnosis, that we're the ones with the best information to help them identify what's really going on and what's going on underneath so that they can make that diagnosis. They need us to be observing, to be paying attention, to be understanding what's going on with the kids and and what behaviors are showing up 
without judging them, just labeling them, naming them, seeing them. Like I, I was talking about this one client who has a, a girl with, with severe ADHD and anxiety. And this is what I'm seeing a lot with girls is they're diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety. And then as we started exhibiting behaviors and talking about what's going on, it was, it's really more, it turns out this kid has autism, yeah, right? But because the kid was a wanderer, because the kid was having these epic meltdowns, because the, the intensity of it was disproportionate. And so we were able to see it differently and bring it back to the providers. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's the piece of it is that it is our job and our opportunity. I mean, ADHD in particular is a, a diagnosis of ruling out a bunch of other stuff. And so you've got to yeah. be really clear and, and keep your information clear and wear that lens of what, what are all the behaviors that I'm noticing? Do we have time okay. to talk about the, the other piece kids? of this? Talking yeah. to kids. Yeah. 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 Because this came up in one of our small groups this week. It's a, a mom whose kid just went through a psychoeducational evaluation. Actually, I've had this twice. I've got a parent of a junior in high school and a parent of a like a, a kindergarten age kid. Both of them just got diagnosed. And they're both struggling with, how do I talk about talk this? Do I talk about this to my kid? The older the parent of the older kid is like really worried about his self-esteem. This is a kid who's been struggling He's, you know, beating himself up like crazy. And they're really worried that, oh, this is going to be one more thing. Yeah, I'm t- a total loser. I'm never going to m- amount to anything, right? Okay. Can I get my soapbox about that? Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, please. Okay. Kids are going to make up terrible stuff about what's going on with them. And they're going to make up that they're lazy, crazy, or stupid or something yeah. else. If we give them an explanation for what's going on with them, if we help them understand why they're struggling with executive function or emotional regulation or whatever, then it takes away that label of lazy, crazy, or stupid. Yes, it gives them another label, but it gives them another label they can learn to manage, they can learn to navigate, they can understand. And it kind of externalizes it. It takes it out of, this is you being bad and makes it more, it gives you a place for compassion. This is, this is you struggling with something we can help you learn to manage it. So I think it's super, super important. Super important. And the thing that's coming up as you're saying that is, is one of the tools I I like to teach parents to use is that it's not them who's struggling as much as it's their brain, right? It's just sort of their, if it becomes their brain is wired differently, or if it becomes their brain uses dopamine differently, or if it's, you know, your brain is whatever it is, but if it's your brain that's struggling and you get to help your brain to be more effective, it sometimes it's, I'm lazy, but my brain is having a hard time. I mean, that, that separation can. I'm lazy is a judgment. My brain is having our time is a challenge that can be overcome. Exactly. Exactly. And so even about. I just want to point people on the website. My years ago, my daughter Sydney did um, like a manifesto on this and a video on this because she's a kid with learning disabilities with dyslexia and and some other issues. And so she did like a five minute video for parents that's on the website. I think if you just type Sydney S Y D N E Y, you can find it. Um, but it's a great piece that you can actually show your kids to kind of empower them to take ownership of their, of their learning differences and their brain wiring differences. So Elaine, would your, would your answer be different? I mean, that for older kids, particularly, yes, absolutely. But what about for younger kids who like, don't, you know, may not understand it in the same way? 
you know, when, when Sid was diagnosed in second grade, I came to her and I said, honey, I think we now understand what's, what's going on with your brain and how your brain learns so we can help you with that. And she started to cry and she said, mommy, I've been trying so hard. And really the best gift we gave her was telling her early what was going on and that she wasn't doing anything wrong and really validating how hard she was working. Cause these kids are putting in way more effort than we realize sometimes. I mean, it takes a lot of effort for a kid with ADD to just get up, get out of bed, get dressed and go to school is, is a day's work. Yeah. You know, well, and, and part of what you said was that we now know what's going on with your brain. So we can help you. Help you. And I think yeah. that that's one of the things that I think parents struggle with because it's like this sort of the diagnosis shows up and we have no idea what to do. Right. And, and so that's why I'm going to take us back to our own soapbox about behavior training for parents, get the training for you yeah. so that you can say to your kid and I'm taking this class or I'm getting this coaching so that I can learn to help you to help your brain, right? It's this sort right. of, I got your back here. That's what our kids want. They want to feel like we're, we get them and we've got their back. And right. And that so, we understand they're not doing it on purpose. Yeah. Right. That they're struggling too. And when we can shift from that judgment place to compassion, which we talk about a lot in sanity school, we really change the dynamic and the relationship. Ultimately, what we want most is to be in relationship with our kids in a trusting relationship where they trust us so that when they are struggling with stuff in life, whether that's in school or later in life as they get older, that they trust us to come to us. And so that starts with how we understand what's going on with them and how we begin to support them in it. And it, you know, it's a process. This is, this is, it takes a little, little time to turn the ship, right? Yeah. So what else? Anything else we no. need to wrap? I think we need to probably close yeah, we on this. Yeah, we put This is it. I think this is a great conversation. We talked about kind of the difference a diagnosis can make in terms of getting services, both in the school and also in the medical community. We talked about kind of talking to your kid about diagnosis. We talked uh, well, about the importance of, of the role of the parent in, in managing the behaviors, regardless of what the diagnosis is. Well, and that's the, that's the thing I want to kind of just close with. It's like this sort of just remember your kid is still your kid, right? It's just that it doesn't matter what their diagnosis is on some level. You have a kid with a behavior challenge or you wouldn't be listening to, to us talk, right? So a behavior that you find challenging or that they find challenging. And so supporting them by getting help for you is going to be the same regardless of what the diagnosis is. But it, it also, there are places that it does help to have a diagnosis, for sure. And another one, we'll have another conversation about when you when you decide you want to do medical treatment, what what do you need to know about that? But which I wanted to talk about here, but it's just too much. So putting a pin in that for another conversation. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. This was delightful as always. Thanks to those of you who are who are tuning in and listening for what you're doing for yourself and your kids. Just to remember. You're listening and learning and applying what you're learning and getting support in doing that. That's what makes the difference. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. 
If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.